Thank you for listening to this episode of the Perceptive Photographer Podcast. This is episode 464. I am your host, Daniel Gregory, and I really do appreciate you tuning in to the podcast. And I hope you are having a wonderful week, a very creative, energetic, enthusiastic week. And if you're having a really bad, crappy week, I'm sorry. Hopefully it'll get better as the week goes on. Also, as a quick reminder, several of my workshops are now up on my website at danieljgregory.com, so make sure you check those out. I got two or three more coming up here in the next day or two, so depending on when you're listening to the podcast, they may already all be up there. Printing classes, platinum printing, I'm actually going to be headed back to the Palouse, unexpected on that one, but had a couple of people who really wanted to make that trip out there, so we'll be heading out to the Palouse again in early July. Make sure you check that out. I had had a completely different sort of topic in mind when I went to record the podcast episode today, But I recently heard somebody say something that I thought was sort of interesting, oddly interesting, not oddly interesting, odd interesting. And that was, they mentioned that they don't ever look at their own work once it's finished. And well, I've heard that by like Hollywood actors who do movies, who don't like to watch themselves in movies or watch themselves in TV shows. When it comes to creating a visual object, a photograph, creating a photograph, I found it really odd that they wouldn't go back and look at their own work, that they wouldn't go see what their work was about, live with their own work, the expression of their own creative process. And there are so many reasons to look at our work from a evaluation standpoint, critique standpoint, understanding how we're improving, areas to improve. I mean, there's a million reasons to look at our work. And I asked a little bit. I didn't want to push too hard because you never know what sort of psychological demons sort of sit within there, but I really wanted to. But I briefly said, like, you don't look at your work ever. And they're like, no, I'm always more interested in what's coming next. I'm always interested in the next thing. And I don't want to get stuck in the past. I don't want to get hung up on the past. And one of the things that, that really sort of impacted me on that is the loss that that person had by not being able to reflect back on where they've been, where they're at, and where they're going. But it got me thinking, not so much to dwell on that particular aspect of the creativity process and the critique process that this is this sort of way this one person was, but it got me sort of thinking more and more about the way we approach being informed about our work, critiquing our work, looking at our work. And a couple of things come to mind that really I think are important that are sort of on the opposite end of that extreme of that person who made that statement. And one of the things that I think is so important about looking at our own work is it's an invitation for us to re-experience how we saw the world. It's a chance for us to sort of ask questions about the way the world is, the way we saw the world then, the way we see the world now. And again, it's that dialogue. It's that create that opportunity to create a more meaningful discussion with the work we create and how we experience it. And I think that's really important because when we look at work and when we talk about work and we think about work, we oftentimes get new insights. That's one of the reasons to critique work. It's not necessarily that we are looking to solve a specific technical problem. And sure, we can exchange ideas about technique and form and composition and the way things are created and photographic theory. There's all sorts of things we could talk about. But that idea of looking at the photograph, understanding its meaning, understanding its purpose, and revisiting that and getting that insight from somebody else really helps us no matter what that is moving forward. And as we think about sort of the challenge of getting somebody to give us effective feedback, the challenge of finding somebody to give us feedback, 
we always want to be in self-reflection. We always want to make sure that we are honing and crafting that skill of being able to look at our own work and effectively look at our work. So to that end, if we're going to come back and look at our work, I think it's really important to remember a couple of key concepts and a couple of key things when we're looking at our photographs. One is you have to suspend what you know about the photograph. I've talked about this a number of podcasts in the past that the photograph has no memory, that the photograph doesn't contain the story you have about making the photograph or what you think is in the photograph. It doesn't contain that. When the person looks at the photograph, they're only getting to see the content of the photograph. And at the same time, when we look at somebody else's photograph, part of what we do when we look at that photograph is we come at it with a much more objective eye. We sort of look at the photograph and we start to assess elements of quality, thematic, meaning, purpose, intent, but we're doing that with a clean slate. Or more likely, we're coming in with a huge set of biases and things we think about work. So part of our struggle in many ways in critiquing our own work and critiquing the work of others is to suspend what we already know. And that's one of the reasons to come back and look at our own work over and over again is how many times can you wipe the slate clean when looking at your own work so that you can re-examine it, reimagine it, and think about it in new ways? Can you realize that you're not always committing the same mistake over and over again in the photograph, but you are interpreting that same thing over and over in the photograph? Is there a different perspective, a different way of coming about that? And I think one of the other things that that drives to, one of the experiences that drives to is that it requires us to then be open to new ideas, to new expressions. And this is one of the things that when we return to our own work and when we critique the works of others, it allows us to get new ideas. And part of the new ideas is where inspiration comes from. It's where influence comes from. When I look at somebody else's work and I see something in that work that is interesting to me or compelling, and maybe it's technique, maybe it's a lighting style, or maybe it's narrative and intent and story, or maybe it's the way they craft the concept, that I think, wow, that's really interesting. And that nudges me a little bit in my creative process. Not that I'm mimicking it, not that I'm making an exact copy of it, but it nudges me a little bit. It pushes me to examine the way I'm working in a new light. Maybe it has me shift my point of view a little bit. Maybe I stand in a slightly different spot when I make the photograph. Maybe I edit the photograph a little different. Maybe I change the crop perspective. All sorts of little things may change because I get that little bit of push, that little bit of fresh air onto the images I look at of somebody else's and my own if I'm willing to take that step back. There's always an old, there's not always an old, there's an older quote by Ansel Adams that says something to the effect of there's always two people in a photograph. There's the photographer and the viewer. And I think that's also one of the things that when we recognize, when we look at work, when we evaluate work, when we critique work, that we're entering a multi-pronged conversation. There are multiple people at play in that conversation. Again, I think Ansel's right, but I think Ansel in some ways is a little simplistic. And this is one of the things that when we look at critique, when we look at conversation, when we look at looking at work, going back to look at work, is that we are introducing multiple people into that conversation. If it's myself, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm not the same person I'll be tomorrow. I'm a different person a little molding, a little shaping, a little shifting all the time I'm in flux, or at least I'd like to believe I'm in flux and not the same person I was when I was 20. But that change, that push a little bit, that conversation grows and expands as we introduce more and more people to it. 
So if I'm not willing to go back and look at my old work, I'm not allowing myself to look at the work in the context of other people looking at the work. I need those other voices in sometimes to help me grow, to help me see and understand what's in my work. I also need that conversation to help me understand what's in other people's work. And so part of the process of being able to revisit work, being able to talk about work, being able to look at the criticism of work is that we, in fact, build stronger community in photography by having multiple voices at the table. Part of that struggle sometimes is finding those voices, absolutely. But when we get more and more people at the table, the more and more engaged we get with that. I think one of the other pieces that we recognize is that when we look at work, when we see work, when we're critiquing work, when we're deciding if we need new techniques to process the work, whatever we're doing is that we are not doing an academic exercise. We're not trying to tick off boxes. We're not trying to say this met a minimum quality bar and gets a 4.2 or it has these three boxes that get checked. We're looking for something that drives deeper into the experience of how we exist with a photograph and how that photograph shifts our existence of how we process and understand our place in the universe. That's one of the powers of communicating through art is we're fundamentally changing not always, but we're changing how we see and understand and think about things. And so for, to have that opportunity to come in and engage in that way, I think is something really important and powerful. So you can't just step back and say, I'm not looking at my work because you're not allowing that conversation to happen. You're not allowing that piece to move forward because you're denying the benefit of you coming back into your work and engaging with it in somebody in a, in a different way, in a more meaningful way. But returning back to that sort of statement with the person made about not returning to their own work to critique, evaluate down the road, one of the things that also sort of occurred to me in that was one of the things I hear over and over again is people want honest, they want it delivered in a way that is meaningful, can be heard, is supportive, it's not rude, condescending, arrogant, but they want honest feedback about work. They also want to make sure that the work is treated fairly. Therefore, the photographer who created the work is also free, treated fairly. And part of not returning to your own work makes me sort of wonder is if the concern for looking at that work lives in a different sort of neuroses bucket. Does it live out of fear? Does it live out of angst, anger, insecurity? And likely I would argue it probably does. It probably lives in a space of I don't want to go back and look at that old work for fear of what it might mean about what I think about who I am today as a photographer. But again, part of what we learn, part of how we evaluate again, it's not that that photographer is not looking at their own work, but they're denying themselves the skill set and the ability to look at other people's work. The ability to be honest, open in a meaningful way with somebody else, because we are in many ways our own harsh, worst critic. But if we can learn to be honest, and supportive of our own process and our own photography. And we can look at our work again without any sort of bias going in, without any pre-assumption going in. And we say, wow, you know, that photograph really could have used this, or it really does feel like it lacks some clarity there. Or, wow, I didn't feel like I got my intention. Or on the converse side, wow, I really feel like that's emotive and expressive of what I was thinking or feeling or wanting to convey. And I'm seeing that in the photograph and I hadn't seen that before. But whatever side we sort of come in on, that if we need to be able to do that for ourselves, and if we can't do that for ourselves, can we realistically expect us to hold that space 
when we work with somebody else moving forward. And again, I think we're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. But if we can learn to be honest with ourselves in a meaningful way, in feedback that we can hear, that we give ourselves, we can likely give that feedback to somebody else. And I think part of what we see when we're looking at critique, when we're looking at the way people talk about photographs, is that we all come in with sort of a trepidation. Insecurity is not the right word, I don't think. But we come in with a, a, an approach where we're not necessarily on the most sure footing when we're critiquing a photograph. We're left relying on sort of a mismatch, mismatch of language sometimes, a lack of clarity of what we think the photographer was doing or the photograph's about and our own interpretation of it. So we sort of sit in this nebulous space, but in that conversation, in the way we sort of drive our understanding and belief of that photograph, we learn if we're being honest, genuine, and real, that that feedback is important and it gets heard. And that is a practice skill. A lot of times I see in my classes I teach where people are like, well, I have something to say, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm like, you can't give feedback without hurting somebody's feelings. That's not fair to them. And that's not fair to you. You should be able to think about how to give feedback without hurting somebody's feelings. And again, there's no better place to practice than with ourselves. And so if you haven't spent enough time looking back at your own work, I would encourage you to take the basic tenet of this podcast, which is to objectively go back and look at your work, pull out what you think you know about the work, pull out your biases, pull out how you communicate to yourself normally positive or negative and try to really give yourself an honest look at your work and then give yourself a true kind of representation of how you would communicate that to yourself or if your work with somebody else is to somebody else. And maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to dictate it into a dictaphone or a, a app on your phone. Who has a dictaphone anymore? I don't even know where that came from. Anyway, as you look at that work, as you think about that work, that process becomes something that you can repeat over and over again and through giving yourself a good critique, you're going to find your ability to critique other people's work goes up. And what's really interesting about this is that if you get good at critiquing people's work, they're going to want you to critique the work. And it's a quid pro quo world. I'll critique your work, but you got to critique mine. So in some ways, getting better at the critique process helps us find other people, whether they be painters, sculptors, photographers, writers, who can maybe look at the work and provide us some of that information and feedback. I hope you have a wonderful week behind the camera. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you listen on. And hopefully that will keep you up to date on all the latest podcasts that come out on every Monday here at The Perceptive Photographer. Again, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.